This is Game Day Media. For all the latest in education and political news from around the state of Texas, visit my friends at TexasISD.com. The staff at TexasISD.com updates their site each morning with articles, commentary, and news from all over our state. If you have one site to bookmark and visit every day, it should be TexasISD.com. Crossroads of education and legislation. You're listening to Largent Unfiltered with Dr. Jim Largent. I want to welcome you back to season four of Largent Unfiltered. Hard to believe we're already into season four here. And I want to let you know we're, we're putting this podcast out right before early voting begins. And if you don't have it marked on your calendar, Early voting begins uh, February 18th. That's on Tuesday, and it'll go until the 28th, and then Election Day is on March 3rd. So I always tell people, mark the first day of early voting on your calendar. If you know who you're going to vote for, go ahead and vote that day. Just be done with it. That way you don't have to worry about the mailers coming through or the phone calls you get from candidates you can say i've already voted my 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 vote is cast so vote early and vote for pro-education candidates so uh but i did want you to know that we're coming out with a podcast pre-early voting just to talk a little bit about some of the key races coming up and then we're going to take a break until after the march 3rd primary so look for us back with episode two probably on march the 10th or 11th it's when we'll put out episode two, and then we'll go through the season uh, again, talking to some colleagues in the field, some superintendents, some leaders of organizations, and we'll talk more about education and politics and how they relate. So thanks again for listening. I hope that you will subscribe, send this to your friends, have them subscribe. We get an amazing number of people who listen to the show within uh, 24 hours of us putting it out. We get, we get several thousand listeners immediately after putting the shows out, and so thank Thank you for listening. I appreciate all of you who take the time to listen and, and tell me about it. When I'm out and about, I hear comments from people, and I really appreciate that. So uh, today we're talking with Troy Reynolds uh, from Texans for Public Education, and we're going to discuss the importance of voting, the research that his group does on candidates for these elected positions, especially in the House and Senate. And then we'll talk about some key races. So here we are with episode one of season four with Troy Reynolds. Troy, thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me again. We want to talk, obviously, about uh, voting. We are nearing the early voting window for the March 3rd primary. And so I wanted to do a show before uh, voting started so we could talk a little bit about not only your organization and and uh, some of the races to watch, but also just to to say once again how important it is for educators and anyone who supports education to get out and vote and vote for candidates who are pro public education. That's kind of the mantra that we've we've been talking about for uh, years now, and. Uh, 
you know, we had a pretty good showing in, in November of 2018. Uh, a lot of educators came out and voted. We got some uh, good seats flipped and got some people uh, beat that uh, were not friendly to, to public education. And hopefully we can continue that as we move into the 2020 election cycle. You know, one thing that I think people don't realize is how important these primaries are because so many of our races are one at the, at the primary uh, election. They're, they're one in March, and then you get to November, they don't even have a, an, an opponent. So I think not only voting in a presidential election is important. We've got to make sure people get out in these primaries, especially when they have contested primaries that I know we'll talk a little bit about. Absolutely. And uh, stepping out of the role of educator for a moment, just, a, you know, I'm a military veteran as well. Uh, point out to people, people put very nice things about veterans online and on Veterans Day and call them heroes and things like that. If you really want to honor the people who defend this country, get out and vote. That's why they do what they do. Absolutely. So, uh, make the effort. You can stand in line for a while. I'm not even asking people in this statement to vote the way I'd like for them to vote. Just vote. Be an American and do your duty. Exactly. And I know the the group that you work with, Texans for Public Education, you, you, you started the group yourself, and it has grown into – how many members do we have now? Uh, it's it's around 30,000, although I'm not positive that Facebook is counting it anymore. We have been at exactly the same number for a couple of months now, and uh, <clears throat> we've still been adding people. I doubt very seriously we're in stasis and having exactly as many people leave as join. So – I'll, I'll keep it at the number. I have 30,000, but the, the influence may be much bigger than that. I would suspect that it is. I know a lot of uh, candidates really worry about uh, their status with the group, whether they're friendly or unfriendly or neutral. And there's been some debate over that recently about some of our candidates you may want to discuss but or the, discuss the ratings. But uh, I guess for people who aren't uh, familiar with the group and may just be learning about it through this podcast, talk a little bit about Texans for Public education and what it is that you do? Sure. What we do is we initiate something that we call the block vote. And block vote is we, as a group, vote and rate every candidate for state office. Uh, we don't deal with federal. Right. We don't deal with local. We tell people vote the way you want to on that. But we commit to each other to bind our votes together in one large block. And we do that by rating each candidate as either friendly, neutral, or unfriendly towards public education. We don't care about any other issues. We don't care about party. We want to fix our schools right right now. That's our priority. And uh, based on those ratings, we vote for the person best for public education, and we do it all together. Uh, we are a nonpartisan group. We have Republicans. We have Democrats. We have Libertarians. We have Independents. Uh, you name it, and they are in the group. And there's a lot of interesting conversations because of it, too. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real challenge to keep the unity going. You're right. People sometimes. It is. There are a lot of different views on subjects that uh, I know I follow the group and there's a lot of different subjects. And sometimes people try to get into the federal issues or they try to get into the R&D or red and blue issues. And, and really, the group is about electing pro public education candidates, whether they're Republican or Democrat. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, when you look at our ratings now, we realized we were putting party next to their names, and that's kind of contrary to our mission. So we no longer put the party next to their names. We just put 
the research that we've done, their voting records, their statements about education, and tell you who they are and put the ratings up. And we really don't care about party. Exactly. It'd be nice if, uh, if, if that's the way voting was throughout our state. People elected it, it really the person and what they believe and what their philosophies are and what they want to actually do rather than what uh, party they belong to. It seemed like you would get better candidates that way and, and better elected officials. Because of partisanship, people make assumptions about candidates that are just flatly not true sometimes. They're voting for someone who's the opposite of what they'd like to see in office because they assume things from that letter behind their name that, that aren't true about that person. Absolutely. So tell us where we can find you on uh, if we want to do research on our particular local uh, House race, where would we go to find that information or Senate race? Well, you do not have to be a member of the group to see the research. We make that open to everyone. That is located on our website at www.texansforpubliceducation.com. Uh, there are spreadsheets. There's one set that we call the simple sheets that just have the candidate and the rating. But if you are a nerd like I am and you want to see all of the notes and see their voting records and their public statements and their op-eds and all of that, uh, there's another set where you can see every piece of research we pulled in on that person. I was just on that site yesterday, and there is a ton of research that uh, you and your folks working with you have done. And I know we appreciate that. I know how much time and energy that takes. And and uh, you're not really getting a salary for this either. It's more of a volunteer deal, a labor of love, isn't it? It is. And, and I want to give a shout out to our research department chair, Tricia Cave. Uh, you, you talk about a workhorse. When you look at those sheets, you're looking at her work. Uh, she has it, it's amazing how much information that she has pulled in for us on this it really is and like i said i was there yesterday and some of the some of the research that she had done on some of the candidates was really amazing obviously there's more research that can be found on uh incumbents or people who've served before but uh, even on candidates that are, who are running through, uh, like you say, through op-eds or through uh, surveys or whatever they may have on their website, she goes in and digs out and, and tries to uh, assess them as far as their stance on public education. Absolutely. We're, we're lucky to have her. It, it's getting to the point that the type is so small so we can put it all in. We're going to have to figure out another way to format this so it's easier to read. So let's talk about... Some of the key races, and I know that I used uh, the Texas Tribune for for a lot of my work as far as election go. They seem to be on top of things. And and when you go in and talk about, obviously in a primary, you're talking about uh, uh, primary races, and a lot of them are not contested. And so when you when you go to Texas Tribune, look at the the races to watch. I'm looking like in the in the Texas Senate race. There are only two races to watch that they feel like are, are even contested, and that's uh, Senate District 19, where uh, Pete Flores is the incumbent. There's three Democrats running in the, in the primary. I'm assuming that, that they feel like that that, may, uh, that seat may be uh, in play. And also Texas Senate District 27, where Eddie Lucio Jr. has actually two uh, uh candidates running against him in the primary so those are the two senate races that uh, are being watched by the tribune at least and saying they're there could be in play any comment on those two races at all well i would say on 27 lucio may have been wise to go ahead and change the letter behind his name he sided with the republican party through a lot of the last session and 
when Dan Patrick didn't have the votes to bring something to the floor, Lucio would step in and bring it to the floor for him. So he could have gotten through that with no primary challengers and eliminated at least one of his challengers. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. I, I noticed that throughout the session. It seemed like, uh, you know, I hate to use the word use, but it seemed like Dan Patrick was using him sometimes to, to put to put legislation out that uh, he didn't want to do. So it was it was very interesting, uh, Mr. Lucio's stance on some, some issues. It really was. But I'll tell you, he has a quality candidate uh, facing off with him. Uh, you know, Ruben Cortez is currently on the State Board of Education. He understands the state of education today. He understands the intricacies of finance. And uh, I, th- I think you make a fine addition yeah. uh, to the legislative branch. Well, that's going to be a, get in there and represent public ed. That'll be a good one to watch. Mr. Lucio's been there a long time, so he may be tough to beat, but uh, at least knowing that there is a, someone running against him that may be a little more in line with uh, public education is good to know. So as we move into the House, obviously a lot more more races in the House, but uh, what are some of the, the, the House races that we're looking at? And, and uh, I know that the talk around the state is if, if the Democrats can flip nine more seats, I believe that they could uh, take control of the House. I don't know how realistic that is. I think some of the, some of the seats they won last time may be hard to hold on to this time, but... Uh, Let's go through a few of the races that, that you have picked out and talk about some of those primary races. Sure. Uh, the, the first one that jumps to mind is House District 60, which is Lane's old seat. And uh, you've got four Republicans running in the primary for that one. And uh, there are some really scary people running for this seat. For instance, you have uh, John Francis who's not only in power of Texans, he's Ferris Wilk's son-in-law. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so if you want empower Texans to be in charge of a district, they will have a, a rock steady hold on that one if he wins. Interesting. I live in I live in House District 60, and I got a uh, flyer from Mr. Francis. And, you know, he may be a very nice guy, but I got a, a flyer from Mr. Francis. And, and one of the things he was running on was that he was not taking any PAC money. And then, uh, you know, right the day after that, I think there was a, a – article in the newspaper that said his father-in-law had written him a check for five hundred thousand dollars so it's uh it's pretty easy to not take pack money when when daddy-in-law gives you yeah. 500 grand uh for a, it really is for a job that pays 700 dollars a month by the way right well and you know there's another one that that is worrisome and that there's a gentleman by the name of chris uh, i hope i pronounced this right pericone right and uh, if i'm not mistaken he's currently under indictment for perjury he is the mayor of Mineral Wells. I know he's been a little bit of a controversial character in Mineral Wells, for sure. I have no idea of the details or whether he'd be a good candidate or not, but when I see the word indictment next to someone's name, it backs me up pretty quickly. It makes you want to do a little more research, for sure. Um, it really does. Um, the, the pro-public ed choice, there's only one in the four. Uh, before I get to that one, the, the other, uh, I'm not going to call this one anti-public ed, but she's weak on it, uh, Kelly Sorrell. Uh, give some decent answers when you look at the research for her, but she somewhat opposes vouchers. And I, I'm not real sure what that means, but that's not opposes vouchers. Right. So, uh, there are apparently scenarios that she could picture where vouchers would be just fine with her. Uh, that, that leaves you with Glenn Rogers. Uh, he's a former board member. Um, I didn't like his answer about defined benefits. 
in, in, if you look at our survey. But other than that, uh, he's got some pretty solid ideas about public education. And right. I want to support public ed in District 60. I, I think he's the easy go-to on that one. Yeah, and since I do live in that district, I, I, I know both of those candidates, Kelly and Glenn. And I would just say, uh, you know, Glenn has been on the street a lot longer than Kelly. He, he, he's been working since summer, getting around to the throughout the district and, and talking to key people and meeting people and having town halls. So he's really working hard, uh, seems to be a really good man, and, and I think he would be a, a great representative, a great change for House District 60 for sure. Uh, Kelly is a local attorney in Granbury. She uh, has not done quite as much uh uh, work on the ground hadn't been in it quite as long but uh, she appears to be a good candidate as well I, I think you're probably looking at a runoff in this race so uh, it's probably going to just come down to who the two are that, that make it to the to the runoff is what I would guess I don't see anybody getting uh, 50% of the vote especially with uh, Francis putting in I think over $600,000 into this race so far for a job that pays what with benefits about 17000 a year yeah there you go <laughs> what else you got? Uh, well, over in uh, House District 59, you've got a very friendly Republican, uh, takes care of public ed, defends us, is, is a leader in the legislature defending public education in J.D. Sheffield. A fairly conservative guy, endorsed by Greg Abbott. Right. Uh, he's also endorsed by all of the teacher organizations, and he is under attack uh, by Empowered Texans. You have... Uh, Shelby Slauson, who is endorsed by Texas Right to Life. And for your listeners, if, uh, if you didn't know that, that's one of the subsidiaries of Empowered Texans. They, they have several shill organizations. That's one of them. And then Sid Miller has endorsed her as well. Um, she has some decent ideas, but she, for instance, she wouldn't commit. We have an initiative right now called 25 by 25. That initiative is just asking the legislature. There's there's no methodology behind it. It's kind of akin to what uh, Kennedy did when he said, I challenge you to put a man on the moon by this date. Yeah. We challenge the legislature to make Texas 25th in the nation in expenditures per student by 2025. Right now, in expenditures per student, uh, you can pick whichever metric you like. We're in the 40s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had someone say, well, what if you adjust regional differences? Well, we actually drop when you do that. We're 48th, according <laughs> to Education Weekly, when you adjust regional differences. Wow. Um, and, and my question is, isn't my kid as good as any other kid in the U.S.? Doesn't my kid deserve the same level of financing as a kid in Illinois or a kid in California or a kid in New Jersey or a kid in Oklahoma? Exactly. You know, it's, and so that's the challenge. There's, it, It's not – raise the revenue this way or do this with property taxes. There's none of that in it. That's up to them. And uh, Ms. Lawson would not commit to that and said that she doesn't see expenditures per student as a, basically as a valuable metric. Right. Um, the other candidate, Cody Johnson, says things. He, he, first off, he doesn't address it very much at all. Um, but he says he'd like to see um, trustees disclose their finances which they already have to do. Yeah, that's part of the deal. And, uh, <laughs> that is part of the deal. And we'd like to see districts use zero-based budgeting, which we do. Right. So it just seems to be a disconnect there somehow for him. So uh, I, I think people need to get out and defend J.D. Sheffield. 
yeah. on this. He's, he knows what he's doing. He's uh, he's very good at what he does. He's a good representative. That's a neighboring district to us, and I haven't heard a whole lot out of that race other than that J.D. was was under some pressure with those candidates. So it'll be interesting to see in a three-person race if, if, uh, if that goes to a runoff as well, I guess. You know, an interesting thing I noticed in going through all of these, if you look at it, is all of the Republican primaries involve friendly incumbents. You don't yeah. see too many unfriendly incumbents being primary. That, that tells you who's in charge. Right? Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting Perfect. for sure. Where do you want to go after what do you think that? About, what do you think about uh, House District 25, Bonnetty? Boy, that's going to be interesting. They are uh, they're kind of lined up over there. I think they've got, what, five uh, candidates in the Republican primary and one Democrat running? At least. You know, there's so many I didn't even bother counting. There is definitely going to be a runoff in that race. Do you know if Bonin has endorsed any of those? You know, I don't know. Uh, I know who I'd like to see win it. Uh, there's only one of them in the whole thing that I would say, if you want to support public ed, this is the guy. Um, Troy, is it Brimage? It looks like Brimage, yes. I mean, he was a former superintendent of Brazosport. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a guy that really understands school finance in and out. So one were- reason for, for your listeners why I keep pointing to school finance when they just passed House Bill 3, uh, I, I work in school finance, and I'll tell you, House Bill 3 was a good start. Yeah, but that's all it was. And uh, matter of fact, we got a report day before yesterday that since the passage of House Bill three, property taxes in Texas have gone up eleven percent. Yeah. So you know, it's they, they compressed or cut down your school district's tax rate, but your levy on your house is still going up because of the appraisal. It's exactly. not the school district; it's right. the state. And if we want to get things balanced out, where our schools are funded and our property taxes aren't ridiculous. We need people who understand school finance and understand the impact of what they do. Uh, Mr. Bremage, being a former superintendent of a major district, I I feel like would would be one. I would think he would be friendly for sure. So if you're down in House District 25, make sure you look at Troy Bremage in the Republican uh, primary. House District 2, Dan Flynn, uh, a little spotty on his record way back in the past, has kind of come around and supported public education fairly consistently recently right. and, and has earned himself a friendly rating with us and uh, very proud of him for, for seeing the light and doing that. Uh, he also, because he defended public education, is under attack, even though he's endorsed by Greg Abbott. Yeah. Hmm. Um, That'll be interesting. He's got two challengers, yeah, it, I see. It really is. It's, well, I, I, I think Governor Abbott probably endorsed all incumbents. I'm not sure about that, but I haven't researched that fact. But I'd like to go in and look and see if that's true or not. Um, well, probably uh, after the Bonin debacle, he probably felt like he had to do that. I would, I would imagine he probably needed probably to did. build some goodwill with the Republican uh, incumbents. I, I would think so. Uh, but Dan Flynn is being targeted by ET people. Also, he's got uh, Brian Slayton, who is endorsed by the Texas Homeschool Coalition. Another shill organization for ET. Yep. Uh, and then um, the other gentleman, Dwayne, I believe the last name is Collins. Yeah. Goes by Doc. Doc Collins. Uh, he is not only endorsed by Bob Hall, who is just terrible with Texas public education, but he was actually honored by ET at their gala in 2018. Oh, wow. So this guy's major in power, Texans. So, House District uh, 2, uh, folks, Dan Flynn is your guy. Yeah, absolutely. He, he needs defense. He's, he has stood up for public schools, so now public school people need to stand up for him. Right. 
And then 92, which is Stickland's old district, is going to be really interesting. Um, that the will gentleman be. That, that I would suggest in that one is, is a man by the name of Griffin, uh, John Griffin. Yeah, uh, he's a little wishy-washy on twenty-five by twenty-five, but he's pretty solid on everything else, and he doesn't know who we are. So I, I understand that. Uh, he yeah. just wants more information. You know? Yeah. So if you're that makes sense. the interesting uh, thing about House District ninety-two is uh, Steve Riddell. Uh, almost won that seat last time as a Democrat. He, uh, in fact, Stickland didn't even get fifty percent of the vote. It was one of those fraction wins. They had there was a uh, independent in the race that that took a couple of percentage points away. So uh, it'll be interesting. I see Stephen is running again in the Democratic primary, and then as you say, Jim Griffin uh, has. There's three candidates in the Republican uh, side. And I think uh, Jeff Kaysen is one that Stickland actually endorsed. So you probably need to run away from that guy. I, I agree. Um, Mr. Stickland has some very unique ideas about education, to put it mildly. Uh, yes, he along does. Along with a whole lot of other subjects. <laughs> not and just education. He's in, <laughs> not just education. <laughs> and if he's endorsing someone, I mean, uh, you know what you're paying for. Exactly. If he's endorsing right. someone, that tells you who to vote for. The, the other guys. a little information about Largent Consulting LLC. You know, when I retired as a school superintendent, I wanted to make sure that I remained an active participant in education and an advocate for public education and, and obviously my colleagues in the field. And so I've really enjoyed the first couple of years of doing this. And, and one of the things we're doing, obviously, is a podcast, which we have enjoyed tremendously getting out and talking with some of my colleagues or leaders of these organizations that are dedicated to public education. I also represent some vendors that I know you've heard me talk about, and I really enjoy representing these companies that I've worked with before. I know they're quality people. They do great work in schools, and so I'm always happy to share my story with my colleagues in the field who may be looking for difference in vendors. And then I also do some superintendent searches where I go out and work with your board to customize a plan to bring in great candidates for their opening. That's something I truly enjoy. I did some dissertation work on the superintendency when I was working on my doctorate, and so that's a, an area that I'm really passionate about and I really enjoy doing. If you ever have an, an opening in your district and would like me to work with your board to help you find your next superintendent, I hope you'll give me a shot and then let me talk to the board about the things we do and, and the things we may do a little bit differently. And also, I'll be glad to come out and do some training with your board team of eight training or administrator training uh, as far as getting everybody on the same page. And again, we don't have any canned presentations. We come out, we customize everything for you based on your needs, your group, and what you want me to stress. So it's something that I do that's fun. I can assure you, I, I told myself when I retired, I would not do anything that I didn't want to do. Uh, this is all fun for me. I enjoy doing the work, and it's been a blast so far. So if I can ever help you, give me a call or contact me through my website, largerconsulting.org. The, one of my favorite races, though, is down here in my area. I, you know, I'm in the Houston area. Right. And, uh, over in House District 128 with Briscoe Kane. He oh, is man. the one unfriendly who has a primary challenger that I can find. Really? And uh, 
This gentleman's name is Hoskins, Robert <coughs> Hoskins, and he is a former Goose Creek board member. And in sniffing around down there and trying to find out about him, I've talked to several uh, senior educators, and they are in love with him. They think he uh, is a wonderful person when it comes to public education and would be a fantastic representative for us. Well, there you go. I got to say, he also probably wouldn't give out uh, incorrect or false information during a refinery fire and scare the snot out of all of his constituents with with things that aren't true. Something that Mr. Kane did, I take. Yes, Mr. Kane did that during the refinery fire and started talking about how many tanks were on fire and things like this that just absolutely weren't true and, and scared a whole bunch of people. It, it was irresponsible. Uh, he's an elected official, and it's he's got a pretty bad situation going on in his district, and it doesn't need to be made worse by your local representative by putting out bad information. Yeah, it doesn't help your local representative throwing gas on the – literally throwing gas on the fire. Uh, <laughs> Very literally. Yeah. And and you know I plead to the people in House District 128 if you if you uh, if you don't know anything about this race look up Robert Hoskins Briscoe Kane has been a horrible representative for you he's been a horrible representative for public education and uh, that would be a huge victory for education if we could uh, send Mr Kane to to do something else for sure it really would and that area that district has some. Uh, huge, huge school districts that if people, if parents and teachers and people employed by the district and people who just care about public education would just come out and vote, they could win that race. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I, I, I know you're probably tired of You've heard me say this, and people who follow me hear me say this over and over again because it's true. If educators would vote, we could control politics in Texas. It's simple as it's Absolutely. it's simple as that. We have the votes. The numbers are there. You just have to show up and vote for pro public education candidates. Well, and you know the sad thing is we talk about educators coming out and voting last time and and they did. But the sum total of educators coming out and voting means they finally hit the average of everybody else. Right. A, a, a little over half voted, which is an amazing increase for educators. Oh, definitely. They get, they get down to 10 and 15% at times. Right. But, we finally voted like everyone else in society. But we're the most educated portion of society. We need to be out there voting. Yes, we do. We need to set an example for the students who we're trying to teach about being a, a citizen of the United States, how important that is. And like you mentioned, you know, we've got people in uniform fighting for our rights to do just that. And one of the simplest ways we can we can show that support is by using our constitutional right to go out and vote in every election. You know, there's always something on the ballot that we can vote for or against or some person on the ballot to vote for or against. And, and we need to make sure we vote in every election, no matter what's on the ballot. Absolutely. If, if people can make sacrifices for, for this country, it, people can at least sacrifice their time, learn about who they're voting about, and go stand in line for a little while. That's not a huge sacrifice. Exactly. Any other races um, you have? We've been talking about Republicans through all this. There, there are a couple of good Democratic primaries. We did talk about Lucio already, but uh, also in Houston, the uh, House District 148, where they just had the special election in right. Eastman. Yeah, uh, won that. Um, she surprised a lot of the local Democrats. I think there, there was not a lot of awareness. She was voted in basically on I was an HISD board member, mm-hmm. uh, which made people think she was friendly to public ed. But if you go in into the um, on the internet and Google her op eds in the Houston Chronicle, uh, or if you speak with her, because I've spoken with her, she is very pro choice. Uh, she is 
big time pro-choice, which I I think some of her people felt like they, she should have said that to them uh, with it. Um, Now she has two opponents in her primary and keep in mind, although she technically is an incumbent, she'll only be in the position for about a month. Right. Um, Adrian Garcia has some decent ideas. And then Penny Shaw, is being endorsed by the Houston chapter of American Federation of Teachers. Wow. Okay. So you you've got a candidate in the Democratic primary running against her who is endorsed by public education. That should be a pretty good block if they will all go vote for sure. Really should. HFT is pretty powerful in that area. Yeah. If those folks will get out and vote, now you can make a change in the Democratic Party right there and and put someone in who represents public education. Any others you're looking at, or is that pretty much the ones that are contested? Oh, I'm sure I'll find a few more as we go. But at this point, you know, I, I, I do have a day job too. So <laughs> right. that's, that's what we've been able to come up with. And again, that's, that's our team. I am uh, reading what they've researched and uh, they do a really amazing job, especially Trisha Cave. Absolutely. And if people want to find out more about the group and what you're about and maybe even want to try to join the group, how would they go about doing that? Well, uh, again, there's a link on our site called uh, T4PE101, which gives you the basics of what we are and what we stand for. Uh, There's also, I I put my vision for why I created the group on that page. I I would suggest to anyone, just read the page. Go to the page and read the page first. Okay. If you're interested, there's a link to our Facebook group. Now, there's a Facebook page and a Facebook group. You do not have to be a member to to like the page. But to join the group, those that those are the block voters. Those are the people that commit right. and say, okay, I'm going to sacrifice. And I may not even agree with the group decision, but I'll go with it. Yeah. And so we, we bind our votes together. Very good. So it's real simple for voters. You go to Texas for Public Education. You look up the race in your area, and you look at the candidates that are running in your primary, and you'll have a – You'll only have three choices, friendly, unfriendly, or neutral, and uh, vote for the person who is the most friendly toward education. And you might mention, too, there's been some discussion on Facebook uh, about this. Neutral does not mean against public education at all. You want to discuss that a little bit more? Sure. Uh, Think of it like a bell curve. Uh, The friendly and unfriendly ratings take a 75% consensus of a nonpartisan group, which trust me, that's really hard to do. Absolutely. Um, so that is that is the top end and the bottom end of the bell curve. Most people fit somewhere in between, and we don't feel like we're so accurate. We can start breaking it down more than that. So basically, friendly are the heroes. There is absolutely no doubt. These people stand up for public education every single time. They want what's best for our students and our teachers. Right. Unfriendly is just as extreme. There is absolutely no doubt. Democrats, Republicans, independents, libertarians agree. This person's not good for public education. They don't need to be in that office. Right. Everyone else is somewhere in between on that spectrum. And so being neutral does not mean that they're a bad candidate at all. Right. And the good thing about it, if you're if you're a neutral, I'm saying this to the candidates who may be listening. If you are a neutral, uh, if you get a neutral rating from the group, uh, next session you can change all that. <laughs> <laughs> with your votes in the House, you vote for pro-education uh, legislation. You bring up uh, uh, bills that would help public education, and, and you, you too can become a friendly candidate. 
Sure can. And, and one thing I would also point out to candidates when we first started this, I haven't heard this lately, so maybe they're catching on. You know, I, I would get this, well, this person voted this way too, and they have a different rating. Well, this is literally a straw poll. This is literally a vote by our members. So relationship comes into play also. Yeah. You know, per- perhaps there's a problem with your relationship with the public education community, and that's not mine to solve. Exactly. Uh, that's That's something that they need to address and fix. And it's a good read for them on how the public education community stands. Well, and like I like I said earlier, if I think there's 2.5, probably a few more than that, but 2.5 million educators or retired educators in Texas, and uh, that's enough to to win any election in Texas. I promise you. And if those candidates yeah, and those yeah. elected officials knew that 2.5 million people were voting for a particular cause every time, uh, I promise you there would be more friendly candidates toward public education. And that's our so goal. That's my goal. Knew that educators, yeah, I, I agree. If educators would show up every time, then public education in Texas would become an issue like Social Security is on the federal level. Yeah. Third rail, don't touch it, leave it alone. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Troy, we sure appreciate what you're doing out there with with your advocacy work for public education. It's a it's a big deal. I know it started as an idea and it's grown to 30,000 members, probably more than that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's more than that, because not everybody who follows you is is probably a member of the of the the group in Facebook, but there are a lot of people out there using your information and uh, hopefully a few more people after hearing this will use it and join and and get in touch with you guys about what you're doing and and most importantly get out and vote for pro public education candidates. Absolutely. And we I'm always on call. If anyone has a question, they can contact me through the website or through the Facebook page and I I will always return messages. And it's Texans for Public Education. Is for uh, the number four on the website as well or is it spelled out? No, it's spelled out. Okay. Texans for Public Education. Very good. Well, Troy, thanks again for being with us. And by the way, uh, you can put this on the resume. You are the first two-time guest on the podcast. So uh, that's something you can add to your resume. <laughs> uh, and, and vice versa. You're the first podcast I've been on two times. There you go. All right. Well, win-win. <laughs> well, hey, thanks again for all you're doing out there and uh, keep in touch. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. If you like our show, I hope you'll subscribe and then share this with your friends and colleagues. You can also check out my website at largentconsulting.org. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Jim Largent and Facebook at Largent Consulting, LLC.